Hello and welcome back. I'm Chris and this is Curiously Polar. And with me again is Mario Aquarone. How are you today? Hello, Chris Marquardt. Yes, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. <laughs> We're going to refer to each other with, with first and last name from yes, now on. <laughs> and last name. Yes, we're going to be these afterwards. Yeah, uh, see. Um, the, uh, yeah, I'm sitting here in my office. It's uh, by Tromso. Yeah, and uh, we are sitting in the same loc localization as the Arctic Council Secretariat. And uh, as you know, the Arctic Council has a little bit of a break or a pause it's called because why of the could war in be? ukraine um we, we are recording yeah. this okay just to put a date on it um we're recording this end of may um mm -hmm. this might be yes. an episode that comes out a bit later but just to make sure mm -hmm. this is placed in time because at this point no one really knows how things mm -hmm. are going or going to exactly. go in the future so the exactly. ukraine conflict or conflict though the war against ukraine is um putting a bit of a wrench into the Arctic Council proceedings. Yes, exactly. So the, there is a, there is a, a lot of uh, things that are happening. There are a lot of things are happening in, the, in relation to the war. And one of the things that we are seeing is uh, uh, sanctions against uh, Russia. And right. uh, and up here uh, we uh, have a, a newspaper that we have used many times before, which is called the Barents Observer, and they report of a, a quite a quite a big project that is they call it the biggest Arctic construction site that uh, could turn into ghost towns. And now the picture above is of the uh, uh, shipyard, um, the uh, LNG construction. Uh, center so the uh, liquid natural gas called, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yard outside murmansk and it's they're building a, a gravity based structure so the uh, essentially it's like the oil platforms the floating oil platforms so the gravity big structures right. that are held in place by gravity and um, and uh, this uh, Picture is by uh, uh, is for uh, a uh, liquid natural gas project, so uh, extraction of liquid natural gases. And we have heard about the sanctions against the, the gas that uh, is coming from Russia. And uh, they uh, this the the sanctions have pushed to uh, lots of investment and countries to pull out of this uh, project because, uh, I mean, we know that the large projects are usually invested, I mean, composed of different parts of it, but they also receive investments from several, uh, several countries. And, uh, and uh, they probably, I mean, with this uh, LNG, uh, Arctic LNG2 project, they will probably not be able to complete the, uh, the project in the, uh, in the period that was set to do this. And right. uh, this is uh, quite a problem. It means, uh, and I would like, I brought this up because it's uh, a large connection between, or a very tight connection between what happens in the Arctic, also at the industrial level, and what happens around the globe. Right. Um, so, 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 so just, just for my understanding, this is a Russian construction site. 
Yes, um, the, and it the mean, construction and, and that side. means that with with all the sanctions, meaning countries are uh, getting less and less LNG from the Russians. They just don't have a a reason to continue building this or not, the financing yeah, for it. Not, and so not on. only, not only, not only. It's it's quite complex. I mean, the uh, the project is managed by a French company, and they are not pulling out of it. They are still doing it there. Okay. But for example. Part of the construction, I mean, this this is a construction site, but the structures are actually built elsewhere and then assembled up in the Arctic. So, as you know, where is that most of the manufacturing is happening in the world? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Where, which, which country produces most of goods in the world? <laughs> and we're talking about China. So oh, uh, I'm referring course. to China. So, <laughs> what so was I the, thinking? Yes, of the, course. The, yeah, the structures that need to be assembled at this uh, uh, Belokamenka uh, yard are coming from China. But the mm. Chinese yard has halted cooperation with the article and g project so in spite of china officially not having sanctions but somehow i mean they are, it's it's also a question of of politics i mean china doesn't sanction russia directly but there are delays and things and in this case the there is a halt in the cooperation on this so uh, uh, there is also uh, linde and siemens uh, from europe that have uh, stopped cooperation with uh, with these uh, with the with this uh, construction and uh, and this means that there is a problem in the construction of these but also for the people that are working and for their area for the general development and economic uh, life of the area because this yard has 20,000 employees and they come from all over the world actually from Central Asia from Turkey from Europe I mean there are lots of employees and they all live in Murmansk so if they do not have work anymore they would probably travel back to their country of origin and they will leave their apartments and this is actually creating a wave of uh, housing problems or a problem in the housing market there are going mm -hmm. to be lots of houses empty and therefore prices are going to plummet and uh, services are going not going to be i mean the the whole economy of the region is going to be affected by this so it's uh, the, we have a war in Ukraine that has a very big impact on Arctic economic life here. So, uh, so it's um, it's quite uh, quite uh, quite something, and it is not something that can be solved immediately because these structures is not something that you can. They are, they are not structures that can be built anywhere else in Russia. Like okay, we keep it within the country, even though Russia is. A large and uh, industrialized country, but it cannot produce these structures with the same specification in the time that is needed for the investment to be running. So, yeah, quite uh, quite something uh, for uh, for the area here. It's only uh, what not even uh, a thousand kilometer away. We have Murmansk, and uh, it's close by Tromsø. I. We'll hmm. see how this event evolves. So, okay. so much for, for one, this. One to watch. And, uh, yeah, one to watch. And uh, it's uh, very big connections. And as you can see, there's also connections to China and France, Europe, anywhere. Not just 
gas to Every Europe and therefore Germany. Is intertwined. Yes, especially this. <sighs> um, yeah. But right. this is not only, I mean, this is a very much Arctic uh, conflict, uh, conflict-related um, um, uh, subjects. Another area that is affected by the uh, war in Ukraine and uh, the, um, the sanctions and the uh, block uh, of, uh, like blocking of exchange of, uh, of information and, and money and, and flow of personnel is the science that is happening in the Arctic. Mm. So I uh, suggested uh, looking at this uh, Arctic Today articles about uh, how um, the cooperation, the scientific cooperation for uh, research in the Bering Strait is coming to a halt. And uh, it is, uh, to a lesser degree, there is also something happening here in the uh, in the parents, in the Sea, but uh, we have in the Bering Strait, we have a lot of cooperation, of course. We have polar bears that are going from the one side to the other, uh, of the uh, from Alaska to Siberia. But uh, we have also quite, quite new things that have been happening because of uh, climate change. There are some algal toxin risks. There is a, an algae, a dinoflagellate called Alexandrium catanella, that is a, an algae that produces a toxin that causes paralytic shellfish poisoning, which doesn't sound very nice, you know, yeah. like you eat... Uh, makes yeah. me itch just by... It I have just no makes idea what you it itch. is, but it sounds Imagine, <laughs> exactly. And, and there is more and more of this algae, uh, this is a, a planktonic algae, um, and uh, it does uh, grow in the water, in the coastal waters, in the Bering, in the... Uh, uh, Bering Strait, and uh, it has been shown to affect uh, seal populations, especially, but uh, because they are very visible when you have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of seals that are dying out there. But also, it has an influence on the local populations because, uh, like on both sides of the Bering Strait and uh, the Chachki Sea, you have uh, locals that uh, feed on. Uh, game on uh, on seals on seal meat and uh, and if you are eating other things from the sea you might ingest this uh, toxin and it's not uh, not actually quite nice but nowadays like if you have to have a monitoring system for the spreading of this algal toxin you want to have it on the two sides of the border between Russia and the US Makes and in sense, this yeah. case it doesn't it doesn't work this way. So right now, the system that was set up for looking at this uh, on a holistic base is divided between Russia and and the United States, and therefore you don't have a simultaneous uh, look at the pictures. Uh, the same, uh, or similarly, you have, as I mentioned, for the polar bears, uh, walruses. There have been lots of uh, lots of activities for. Uh, surveying uh, marine mammals, polar bears, for example, and walruses in the Wrangell Island, uh, which is in the uh, uh, Russian part. It's a Russian island northeast of, uh, of Siberia. And uh, uh, that is something that will not be continued because the uh, US scientists that were going to participate in surveys to go over to the... Uh, Russian Arctic are not going there anymore. 
U.S. vessels are not entering the Russian Arctic. They cannot retrieve moorings with instruments. So I was listening uh, the other day to uh, one of our scientists uh, called uh, John Walsh. He's at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks, a climate scientist, a very, very highly prized uh, uh, scientist. And he was uh, quite worried about the moorings that are collecting oceanographic information. So these buoys that collect over a column in the sea lots of information about uh, the actual conditions that record the conditions, these need to be serviced and the data needs to be downloaded every, let's say, year. And now if we are not going over the summer, if it's not possible to retrieve the data, then there is going to be a hiatus in the data. I mean, you need to retrieve the data, change the batteries and put them out again in order to have a continuous of data. Hmm. There are a Tundra uh, monitoring stations. There is one uh, that is... Uh, uh, a cooperation between Germany and Russia that was just been had just been established and uh, just worked for a few years and uh, and now uh, it's totally isolated. So the local scientists, because of course the scientists in Russia are extremely capable and they can do the, <laughs> their the job, but but if you do not have enough personnel to man the station and to do the uh, uh, readings to record the uh, the data, then there are problems of continuity. So I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure, even though most uh, countries, most uh, scientists in the outside of Russia have been discouraged, if not forbidden, to have contact with the Russian counterparts, um, the uh, the problems are that the Russian scientists are left on their own, and not only on their own for working, so their intellectual work, but also without money, financial support for cooperation projects. And you know that even for uh, a meteorological station, you need money to run it. And uh, yeah. it's not uh, money that is now coming directly from the Russian government in total. All of these cooperation projects have uh, been uh, stopping or put into a pause. And this is quite sad. But let's hope that we have a solution soon and uh, we'll be able to to start again. With, All right. Um, Do we have mm -hmm. a positive note to end this episode on? <laughs> yes, a positive note. Well, uh, I was, uh, of course, there is a lot about Ukraine. And now I would like to bring a, uh, an article about uh, Kiev. So about something okay. that has been found in a digging in Kiev, found some 15 years ago, and that is a connection to the Arctic. Now, this is a, a, an article from the uh, Proceedings of the Royal Society. So uh, it's a, a British journal. Actually, it's called Proceedings of the Royal Society B, by, because it's biological sciences. But it's mm -hmm. actually history, it's paleontology or uh, history. And uh, in a digging in uh, Kiev, uh, there have been... There's like the archaeologists or the or the diggers have found walruses and like walrus skulls and pieces of the skull of a walrus, like on That's the top left of the picture. South. Yes, exactly. So you see a full skull top left, you see the nose on the yeah. top right and bottom left or the the nostril, and a fragment of I think that is a fragment of the uh, um, uh tooth canal of the For tusks. those listening this is a uh, linked in the show notes so um yes interesting so yeah. 
the it's uh, it's a task socket yes um the um the interesting part is they say like why why is there walrus in did, other walruses in uh, Kiev? Did the walrus at one point did the did the Arctic at one point extend uh, its yeah. cold tendrils down to Kiev, <laughs> or how did this work? Yes. Now the uh, yeah this uh, this is uh, this is connected, of course, to Viking history. I can reveal, ah. and uh, since uh, Kiev has been founded, at least for what we know, uh, is been uh, founded uh, by the. Uh, by the Vikings, by the Swedish Vikings. Um, it's uh, a, a connection between the Mediterranean, the Black Sea, and the Baltic. So there is a pretty pretty good idea of who brought these walrus uh, remains to Kiev. And uh, it was the Vikings, of course. Uh, of course. But where are these walruses from? And now we're talking about trying to figure out, I mean, are these walruses that were in the Baltic? Right now, for example, there is a walrus in Denmark. There have been walruses in the UK recently. So there are walruses in the North Sea. And historically, there are records that have been quite a lot of walruses down in the North Sea that then have been chased out by being, by or chased out, have been hunted. <laughs> They've been slaughtered much, yeah. Slaughtered, yes. That's uh, quite a, quite something. So, like, uh, and... Uh, and we know also that walruses and walrus ivory was the main uh, the main product for paying the tribute to the Vatican by mm -hmm. the Vikings and especially by the Vikings in Greenland. I didn't know that. So the these uh, these researchers they uh, that uh, were looking at these they looked at uh, at uh, a way of connecting these remains to where the um, where the uh, walruses were actually originating from and so they looked at a, uh, a at the dna of these uh, walruses also you can you can select something called DNA from ADNA. Them? yes okay they uh, you can and uh, they found out uh, with these and also using a stable isotope so um, carbon 13 and nitrogen 15 and sulfur 34 uh, these are uh, in bone collagen and they are right. deposited in in there because of course you have like carbon nitrogen and sulfur in the, in the collagen in the proteins and uh, and the ratio between these isotopes, we have had it a long time ago as well about the isotope ratio and what we can say. But the ratio between these isotopes is characteristics of the diet, but also of where the diet is coming from. If you make a like, you mm -hmm. can take pieces of the puzzle, do a, a crime scene investigation, and see like these are coming from from there. And well. What they found out is that these are actually walruses. At least a few of them are walruses from Greenland. So imagine, and uh, you, there was a map in the article that you might be that you might be checking. Yeah. Um, the uh, the map shows the North Atlantic. You have with stars. You have presence of uh, like uh, samples, uh, like recent samples that are controls that are from Greenland, Iceland, the Svalbard area, and northern Norway uh, that are made in the analysis. They are inserted in the analysis to try to figure out whether there are similarities or or there is a problem with the analysis. And they have uh, then uh, in this map shown, they show where are the uh, 
most likely origins of the of the rostra mm-hmm. and uh well the and and they also looked at uh, at other medieval samples because we are talking about the middle ages here and uh it's quite clear that there was a big uh, trade route between greenland and kiev in the mm. middle ages wow i mean we're talking about yeah between the year 1000 beginning of the viking era 800 or something and uh <laughs> and the uh, the uh 11, yeah 13th century i've been to That's... greenland with modern tra- tra- travel means um so just thinking back in the middle ages this being a main trade route or an important trade route um that Exactly, and and the main trade route is actually quite important because we are not talking just about one little sample because these finds in Kiev are one set of samples that have been found about about 15 uh, specimens, 15 different walruses, but there are actually a lot of other specimens. There are Mm. like chess pieces, there are ornamental pieces made of walrus ivory that are all over the Mediterranean and uh, all over like also the Near East uh, eastern east of europe so it's it's uh, it gives us an idea of how how connected the medieval world was because if you think about the name of the rose <laughs> just thinking about umberto yes. eco and the in the film there you find this uh, like the medieval world is uh, a world where people were isolated they were just peasants staying exactly in the same place. And probably was true that some people never moved from the house where they were born, practically, but uh, or were not allowed to do so. But trade was pretty important. And there were nations and peoples, or because it was not really, we can't really call the Vikings a nation, but uh, more of a, a, a group of people, since there were several several nations that were not organized the same way but uh, it's uh, as we as other parts of europe so uh, so it's it's important to see that there was a lot of travel and in a commercial activity happening between greenland and europe already a thousand right. years ago practically walrus remains yeah. in kiev okay that yeah i hope that this was uh <laughs> was this, less of yeah, a gloomy <laughs> a gloomy thing it, it, it is it, i find this very very interesting mm. so um thanks for sharing that and that brings us to the end of today's episode thank you uh, thank you very much everyone who was listening or watching we're on youtube as well if you're listening to this if you're watching this and want to put this in your in your podcast client just search for curiously polar we're easy to find and uh then you will get this automatically every week um we are online at curiouslypolar.com we are on the on the twitters and um that's a good place to contact us until next time everyone take care and bye-bye bye-bye